0: Welcome back to the FKT Podcast. I'm your host, Heather Anderson. Today we're chatting with Katie Brown. Katie has recently set her first FKT on the Arizona Trail. She set the northbound female self supported fastest known time in 17 days, 19 hours, and 52 minutes, besting the previous record I set in 2016. So let's dive in. So today we're going to talk about your FKT on the Arizona Trail. And you went northbound, which is arguably the harder direction, in my opinion. If there's a trail that should have separate records for north and south, I really think the Arizona Trail is one of them because they're just so different. And yet going the harder direction, in my opinion, you managed to take two days off of the existing self-supported female record, which was actually set by me going southbound several (laughs) years ago. And so I am really curious why you decided... To go northbound? That's a really good question. I think part of it, there's probably
1: a couple reasons. The first reason is that I think my brain has been conditioned to go northbound <laughs> just from okay. hiking the AT and hiking the CDT, just that through hiker conditioning. And I think another part of it is I just really like hard challenges and mentally the idea of doing all the hard stuff first just sounded more suited for me, my in my personality, just getting all the hard stuff over with so that I could then just cruise on into the finish, (laughs) quote unquote, cruise on into the finish, right. (laughs) And then just, I don't know, like, it just sounded like an adventure that way. And I,
0: I love a good adventure did walking home play into it at all for you? I mean, I know you don't live at the Utah border, but you live in Utah.
1: Oh, definitely. I walking The idea of walking home was definitely another aspect of playing in logistically and just a, a really beautiful story of being able to walk towards my, my home state of Utah and uh, definitely played into that decision too.
0: Yeah. I know for me, when I hiked the PCT FKT in 2013, not that I had anything to compare it to, but it was the first time I walked home on an FKT and I felt like that was a huge draw and I was walking toward everyone that I loved and like the mountains that were familiar and everything. So I, I just wondered if that played a role in, in your choice for, for the AZT as well.
1: Yeah. One thing that was interesting is the more north I got towards the Utah border, I started seeing Utah Juniper which is really easy to differentiate from other types of juniper. And as I moved closer and closer to the Utah border, seeing more and more of those Utah junipers, it was fun.
0: That's awesome. So the other question that I have kind of in conjunction with that, because you did go northbound, and the the season for northbound on the AZT is typically maybe late March, April, and you started at the very tail end of that, and I'm sure, arguably, that was in order to ensure you didn't encounter snow like Stream Bean did on the North Rim. But didn't that put you in like a disadvantage in the south, in the desert? Like, how was the heat for you? Because I can imagine by May, it's getting really hot down there. Or did you manage to like not have a lot of issues with heat? I'm kind of curious.
1: Um, I definitely had issues with heat. So this is actually my my second attempt-ish. I say ish because I wasn't really like public or talk, didn't talk a lot about my, my first uh, go around in, in 2019. That first go around, it was super hot. I actually started like the second week of May. So I thought I was giving myself a break by starting in <laughs> <the laughs> <end of> April. <laughs> But yeah, Yeah. I definitely, definitely ran into heat, especially like going into the Phoenix area. Uh, It was very, very uh, draining for me. I really, for me, it was more logistics, just with my job and being able to get enough time off to do something like this. I kind of had to wait until the end of April to do that because that's mm-hmm. time for me to get that time that much time off i'm a, a nurse in an icu and we've had a lot of t- turnover so i've kind of had to wait till we had enough people to kind of cover my absence and so that that also played into it but i definitely ran into a couple of days that were extremely hard for me um, mentally but also physically because of the heat that really were tough <laughs> but the yeah. Re- yeah, the reasons why I did it or just mostly logistically being able to have that time off is that that was kind of the soonest I could go.
0: Right. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, you have to work within the constraints of your life. So you'd mentioned you, you know, you were out there and this was like maybe your second attempt at this Arizona trail FKT. So I'm kind of curious what your motivations in general were to get out there. Like why, why attempt? Cause if I'm not mistaken, this is your first FKT. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, so what was your motivation to get out there and attempt an FKT and why the Arizona Trail?
1: I don't know if I have an answer to that. I think I started the Arizona Trail in general since I heard about it. I knew I wanted to hike it. And so it was always kind of in the back of my mind as something that I wanted to connect with and I wanted to walk. And then back in, you know, back in 2019, when I was thinking more seriously about doing the trail, I didn't have as much flexibility to take as much time off. So I, you know, I only could take like three weeks off. And so I wanted to attempt to hike the whole thing in three weeks, but I didn't know if I could physically do that. And then when I made it about two weeks before I had to get off trail because of, Weather issues, a big freak snowstorm came in. At that point, I kind of knew that I could physically do it. And so I was, of course, familiar with your time on the ZT and knowing that I could pull off like 40 mile days was kind of an exciting new development for me. And so I wanted to go full force with it uh, this time around and really be mindful about actually trying to get that FKT and it worked out. I don't know if that answers the question.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm just always curious what, what motivates people to attempt an F, a first FKT and just the routes they choose and why. I don't know. Like
1: I a couple of people have brought brought this up that this is my first official FKT. And I haven't really thought about it in those terms before because I feel like I'm always kind of pushing myself and I've always kind of tried to do like things to the best of my potential and always seeing how I could something in a certain time or in a certain way. And so, I don't know, it was just kind of something that sounded really fun to me.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No, I think that's awesome. I think that I I don't necessarily know that there's any right or wrong answer to this question. It's just all about like what, what drives you and what puts you out there. And, and I think that that's neat that like, it's just like, it was a fun challenge for you And I mean, the legitimization of your time is, you know, secondary, you know, whether like, I mean, you probably have FKTs on things that you've done that weren't this, but you don't necessarily like talk about them. If you're, if this is just like a lifestyle for you of pushing yourself and challenging yourself. So I know that you've done some other hiking. You are predominantly a through hiker, or at least were a through hiker when we first met on the AT in 2015. And I know you subsequently have like taken up running and and done longer distance running before you did this FKT. And I'm so kind of curious about the gear changes. Like, how did your gear on this FKT compare to like, say the gear you would use on like a regular thru-hike? Was it very different?
1: It was very different. Over the years, I started thru-hiking in 2012 and my first setup, my first kit was probably around 40-ish pounds. And which, you know, for your first time isn't terrible. But I knew the mechanics of going really, really fast are tricky and being really mindful about your gear selection and your weight, your pack weight kind of play into your efficiency. So I was extremely uh, mindful. I picked through everything multiple times over deciding yes or no and making certain decisions of what to take and what not to take. And so even my gear selections between 2019 and this particular attempt were pretty different. So I, I kind of handpicked everything as you know the lightest I could go while still maintaining some semblance of comfort. <laughs> comfort being in quotes. So yeah, I, I pretty much handpicked everything over the years as. Kind of these things that I that were extra ultra lightweight. My backpack, my pad, my pocket tarp, um, everything was selected because it was going to allow me to walk the most efficiently. And that was kind of the underlying criteria: is this thing going to make this trek easier for me, or not even easier, but just more efficient? So, yeah, it was very purposeful, very intentional.
0: Make your yeah. I mean, I was really impressed. Uh, your base weight was like under seven pounds. That just always seems like mythical to me. Like I do not have a base weight that low. <laughs> so seven under seven pounds, it just like seems incredible to me
1: it was definitely not easy and i definitely have the privilege of being able to acquire a lot of these items and uh, they're they're pretty expensive items to to buy regularly and so i acknowledge that it being able to have those things is is super super privilege of me and and i'm really really grateful for the people who have helped me out with acquiring certain pieces of gear i you know i borrowed my pocket tarp my pack was a gift and some of the things i just over the years have made intentional purchases and so uh, it wasn't easy it was and i I wouldn't use this particular kit on like a normal through hike. I like having an air pad <laughs> not an <laughs> not an eighth inch piece of foam that like isn't comfortable at
0: all. <laughs> Right. I'm curious, what uh, what is a pocket tarp?
1: It's called a pocket tarp because you can fit it in your pocket. It's, uh, it's probably about three ounces made of Cuban fiber, Dynema fabric, and it's a pretty small, um, minimal tarp. I actually never even used it because I was lucky enough to have pretty good weather throughout the whole 17 days. So um, but it's just a little tiny tarp. Yeah, I've never heard the term pocket
0: tarp before. I think that's pretty incredible that you actually had 17 days of good weather in arizona i I feel like people underestimate arizona a lot and like how bad the weather can be in that state like everybody just thinks it's a desert and it's i mean i had horrific storm like my very beginning of my my hike in 2016 and i feel like most people i talk to about the arizona trail have at least one Horrific storm, if not more than one.
1: Oh yeah, and you know, I I was watching the weather, and, and you know, back in in 2019, I I that's the reason I got off trails because there was this like freak storm in the middle of May that put like two inches of snow on the mug in Rim and turned it into like a mud bath, and it was like temperatures in the 20s, and I just didn't have the gear to like sustain me through that. And I was watching it, you know, along the on leading up to my um the date that I was going to go April 28th and. You know, watching, I know like Candace Burt was out there and she ran into like a ton of storms. Um, I was really crossing my fingers. I I tried not to check the weather too much. Those 14-day forecasts are very deceiving. So I tried just not to think about it too much and while still trying to be prepared for it. But really the worst weather I encountered was just some really, really, really windy days. And that's about it. I feel very fortunate that kind of place into the, uh, this idea that like FKTs just aren't about the person doing it, but it's also based on like a ton of luck and I know are lucked out with the weather.
0: Yeah. I mean, there is definitely an element of, of luck when it comes to weather and also just your adaptability to the weather conditions you're given for sure. Like being able to, like you did in 2019 decide like that you didn't have the gear to be out there and to be safe or, you know, deciding, okay, this weather's not ideal, but I do have what I need, or I can get through this. And I think that that's a big part of, of FK. Well, it's a big part of like being out in the backcountry, period, but definitely FKTs when you're, especially when you're pared down to that bare minimum gear, you know, wise, like I know the storm I hit, I did not have the right gear to be in it. It was a very close call. Yeah. Um, And the fact that I was able to make it down into the Grand Canyon was like the only, you know, I was just like, okay, as long as I get down there, it's 40 degrees warmer and like I'll survive, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and it's just like that knowledge. I think that's one of the things that intrigues me the most about FKTs is like, you are walking a very narrow. You are. um, It's very
1: calculated risk that you have to take and you're putting a lot like... I guess I guess I did have like some cold weather days uh, especially going you know up into the mugging rim and it definitely borderline you know was too cold for me. I woke up mm-hmm. many nights on the mugging rim like freezing and mm-hmm. had to like get up and start moving because I was no longer warm enough. <laughs> right. Those, those hours leading up to dawn are are just absolutely cold. So you know, it's definitely road, rode the line, like you said.
0: Yeah. It's a good motivator though, to get a few more miles in to stay. <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> whether you want to or not. <laughs> exactly.
1: Especially, you know, knowing that like, you know, throughout this attempt, I was not really running that much. I knew I wasn't going to be running that much. And so being able to have as much time on feet, that was definitely an extra motivator to get out of bed and moving.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Kind of curious about your training, since you mentioned you weren't running much, um, I know you're a through hiker but you're also a long-distance runner. So can you just talk a little bit about, you know, maybe your transition between these modalities and also, you know, how you trained for this this FKT? Uh,
1: I have to preface this by saying, like, I might be doing it totally wrong. But I've always been of, like, of the mindset that there's no, there's no way to really train for a through hike And people can argue with me about that, but there's really no good way to simulate what you go through on a daily basis uh, during a Mm thru-hike. And so my training for this particular attempt didn't really look any different from what I kind of do at my baseline. At my baseline, I run like 30 to 60 miles a week. I do a lot of hiking. I do a lot of vertical. I live in the Wasatch. So I'm fortunate enough to have lots of mountains and hills to climb up. Um, and so training for me was just maintaining this baseline fitness of, you know, not being sore, going up and down hills, being able to do those long days in the mountains, time on feet, et cetera. So it didn't look, and, and that's not really different from what I do kind of on a weekly basis. So which worked out for me because I didn't really have to do any much different from what I normally do so i didn't do much specific
0: training for this actual attempt i mean that is like the perfect training to me like what you already do and i think like that was very similar for me like when i back when i was doing fkts and stuff all the time like that was basically what i did i did a lot of vertical i did 30 to 70 miles a week you just were always in that baseline fitness because there is like there's you can train for a through hike by conditioning your body to withstand the load but you can't ever really simulate being on your feet especially when you take it up to an fkt like for 20 hours a day or whatever you know like you can't replicate that you can only prepare your body to accept that for a limited period of time that's often really overlooked and i'm, I'm glad to hear you say that is that like you know what i always say is like your key is to go into your fkt not injured yes <laughs> that's the key you know and i even like i tapered for this too so like the two weeks leading up to
1: my start like I barely did anything (laughs) I I like ran very minimally I rested a lot Because, you know, I wanted my body to be in the most prime condition that it could be in because I knew it was going to get really beat up for, you know, two and a half, three weeks. So just kind of preparing my body for that by letting it rest as much as possible. I guess that was part of my
0: training. (laughs) Yeah, no, rest isn't often overlooked aspect of training that I think is really critical a lot of people just don't understand the value of that having a well-rested body so kind of on par with that I'm curious about how you self-motivated out there for me especially like very specific on the Arizona Trail I am not gonna lie like I was so bored because I went southbound and like Mm -hmm. I could not self-motivate myself to hike past like 9 p.m. I'm like, well, I've done 45 miles. I'm bored. I'm going to bed. You know, like the Arizona trail specifically was really hard for me to self-motivate, but definitely like a self-supported FKT in general. I think that's something that's so mental about it is like getting yourself up every morning. I mean, sometimes the weather helps, but getting yourself up every morning, pushing through the hard parts, you have to like completely intrinsically motivate. And I think I read in one of your posts from the trail that you were behind the pace early on and you know, that you, you were like, but I'm not going to quit. And so I'm kind of just curious, like what were like some of your techniques or maybe some of the moments you remember that stand out to you when you really had to dig deep and self-motivate and how you did that? That's a really good
1: question. I think my biggest self-motivator is just remembering my why and remembering that I am out there for myself and I'm not trying to compete with anybody and I am purely out there to see what I can do. And I'm making all the decisions. So if I want to quit. I can quit. And just having that be, you know, I'm not out there to, to make anybody proud except myself. And so just keeping that question really clear in my mind is, well, why are you getting up? Why are you doing this? Is this something you want to do? And just, Reminding myself on a sometimes minute to minute basis (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, that this is something that I really wanted to see what I could do with. And sometimes that didn't always work. Sometimes I had to resort to, you know, turning on my phone and texting my husband or texting my friends or, you know, or reaching out on, on uh, social media and, and kind of receiving that little extra bump in, in motivation from other people. But I think the main thing was a practice of, of staying in the moment and making sure that I knew at moment to moment that this was an attempt for myself. And this was something that I was doing for myself. And if I don't want to do it, I don't have to. It's totally my voice. And just remembering that gave me the extra motivation to move every day. Because I know no one was forcing myself to do it except me. And it was something that I was intentionally and mindfully choosing on from a moment to moment basis. But that didn't always work. (laughs) (laughs) When, When that didn't work, you know, you stick in your headphones, or you you reach out to her, you call it you use your lifelines, you call a friend. And so it was nice to have those those things too. But I think in general, answer to that question is just remembering the reasons why I was out there remembering that it was just myself that that was keeping myself out there. And that was a good enough reason for me.
0: I think that's incredible advice, not just for an FKT, but also for a through hike, or a long run, or just life in general that you are are making the choices and to remember that you're allowed to change yeah. <laughs> your mind and change your choices when you so desire. You don't have to continue down the path if you don't want to. <laughs> I'm
1: I'm not a I'm not a fan of suffering. I think if something turns, you know, nothing everything is not going to be comfortable in life and certainly nothing is going to be comfortable during an FKT attempt, but you don't have to be suffering. And when things turn to suffering, that's that's when you need to take a break. That's when you need to pull over there were a couple of times where I had I had to intentionally choose to like pull over, especially down south in the heat where it was so freaking hot that I just I just felt completely drained and I just wanted to quit. And some sometimes it was just a matter of pulling over in the shade for like 10 minutes, closing my eyes and giving myself a power nap. And that was all I needed to kind of recharge myself.
0: Yeah, it's important to. To take that, that time to give yourself what you need to reset. One of the things I was enjoying reading about in your kind of your recap was just some of the different, well, not enjoying probably, but just some of the things I, I thought were interesting. Um, the challenges you mentioned specifically, you have a really great like recap, like a day by day recap on the fast known website. And um, one of the things like, I, I mean, I, it was really great. I one of the things they like, post that. yeah, it was awesome. I was like, this is, this is fantastic. Like, yeah. this is like, I read a lot of recaps, you know, really? and I was like, this is the best one, you know,
1: <laughs> I uh, but he enjoyed it. Cause I was like, yeah. I can't believe they post this. I didn't notice. this. I guess I do not those things up and now I'm going to have to go back and read other people's recaps.
0: Yeah, well, most of them are quite boring. Yours was actually really entertaining, Um, so I enjoyed reading your recap. And one of the things was, I don't remember which night this was, but you were like, rodents attacked me all night, and so I hate rodents. That's like one of my like biggest like annoyances on trail. So I'm kind of curious about you know how you dealt with like being attacked by rodents all night. And it sounded like they did a real number on your backpack. And so how did you? It sounded like they chewed off the strap. so how did you continue on after the rodents completely modified your pack for you
1: um well i to the answer to your first question i didn't deal with the rodents i put in earplugs i was so tired (laughs) i was so tired heather that I, i i could hear them and i just my brain wasn't functioning right and I was like, I want to sleep. I don't want to deal with this. I'm sleeping on my food pack, so they're not going to get into my food. And I just didn't take into account that perhaps they would find other things to get into. Mm-hmm. And so I just put in my earplugs and went to bed. And yeah. um, woke up in the morning. I have a Pelante pack, and it does not have a hip belt but what it does have is two chest straps that are very um useful straps in in helping to distribute the weight in your pack they had chewed both of those straps off they cup they chewed off a couple other straps on my backpack in addition to a strap on my on my shoe and one of my trekking pole straps Um, so they they really did. They, I, I would love to find that rodent's nest because they're just like living life with all my straps. Um, so initially I just kind of dealt with it because I, I, there was no other, there's no other way besides like actually having the pack repaired professionally that I could have really fixed it until I ended up running into a thru hiker and I'd been following his tracks for days. Uh, you know how you do that. You, you just notice people's yeah. tracks on the ground. Uh, um, and I know a lot of people, a lot of thru-hikers play this game. What kind of shoes are they wearing? And then you just kind of make up stories about this mythical person that is in front of you. And this person was wearing yeah. chumeral moabs. And, and I got so excited when I started, you know, seeing him. Crusting above you know all these little all these little hills up in front of me Uh, and so I knew I was going to run into him at some point that afternoon when I finally did run uh, run into him he was super nice he he gave me some ibuprofen and then I just started telling him about my running with the rodents and what they did and he just said I think I have a strap for you. And I didn't really understand what he was offering. Cause that just sounded like a really like strange thing to just have. And he was, he was like, yeah, I, I picked it up. I think, I think some bike packers must've must've dropped it. And he pulls out this extra long volet strap, which the skiers and, and the bike packers will be familiar with uh volet straps, but they're, they're just this like ingenious designed. strap. Strap. <laughs> I can't. You can look on my Instagram to see what it looks like, or just look Google it. Um, but it was actually the perfect thing to to tie around my my shoulder straps to hold them together to help redistribute the weight. So that's kind of how I dealt with that. And I used it mostly on my resupply days when my pa- packs were like extra heavy. Um, otherwise, I just let it. Let just dealt with it. Um, but yeah, that was a and that happened. Um, when I was coming off of Mount Lemon, so pretty early on. Oh, wow, yeah. In my really early, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was like day four for me, uh, and so right. I hiked most of most of the Arizona Trail with no with no chest straps. So that was definitely a challenge for me at first. But it's one of those things where you have to step back and say. I could sit around and cry about this. And also I could see how comical this is and just go with it because that's you know another reason why having a, light, a really light pack is so useful is because that probably didn't affect me as much as it would have affected me had my pack been like heavier. And so that was really, I was really grateful for that aspect. But yeah, fun times, yeah. rodents.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's an incredible piece of trail magic though that he had that strap for you. Um, my
1: my mind was blown
0: without a doubt it was the best piece of trail magic that
1: I've ever received just in in the context of of the situation it was I cried I cried
0: (laughs) yeah yeah no doubt I mean that's crazy like that's amazing yeah so I mean I imagine there's probably nothing that can really top that but did you have any other gear issues that were of note or was that basically the only major gear problem you had
1: Luckily, that was the only major gear problem that I. I mean, besides the fact that my sleeping bag wasn't warm enough on uh, the nights, but other than that, everything kind of functioned uh, to its potential. I did lose a trekking pole at one point. Um, I had them stowed in my side pockets, and then I had to uh, do a little bit of bushwhacking uh, going up. What was it, Montana Mountain? Because I got a little off trail and I had to do i say a little but it was actually 45 minutes of bushwhacking through like bridges. wow and so i did lose one trekking pole um but at that point i wasn't using them a ton anyway and i only needed one to set up my tarp if i needed it so you know just n- not letting those little gear mishaps affect you in a, in a in a big way was really helpful but yeah i was really lucky i didn't have any really major gear issues
0: Yeah. I think you touched on something really important is just that taking a step back from the situation and, and, and accepting it for what it is rather than, you know, wasting, especially in an FKT, you have limited energy, both physical and mental. Like I learned that early on, like wasting the mental energy on stuff you really can't change is just so counterproductive. Like you need that mental energy to keep you going forward.
1: (laughs) Say men. I, you know, there was another day where I was supposed to resupply at that 24-7 Conoco and I like double, triple, quadruple checked. They're going to be open 24-7. So if I walk up at 4.30 in the morning, they're going to be there. Sure enough, walked up 4.30 in the morning. They had temporary hours posted on the door, 6 to 10 o'clock. Oh, no. Yeah. I walked up at 4.45 in the morning. I couldn't do my resupply. Thank God I had oversupplied myself at the last stop and I and I had I had to ration, but I had enough to get me to the Grand Canyon. But like taking those moments in stride and being able to just not spend a lot of energy in trying to figure it out or moping about it or whatever is just so important because you're right. You're already using so much energy just finding the motivation to walk that far and to, you know, go day by day, that learning how to conserve energy is, is a skill. It's a, it's a practice skill and definitely used a lot of that on the AZT.
0: Yeah, for sure. What did you have in terms of like physical energy, like injuries or you know, issues while you were out there. Did you have any, or were you, was your body basically just like solid the whole way through?
1: I wish, and I even had the thought of, wow, my body's really holding up awesome until <laughs> that, 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 you know, it's coming. I was walking, um, and I remember very clearly, I, it was right after I crossed um, I 40 and before I crossed 89 all of a sudden i swear to you out of nowhere my quad started hurting and it hurt enough that i stopped early for the night and thought maybe if i just gave it a little extra rest that it would resolve but then I didn't <laughs> and that was <laughs> that was on day 14 that that happened and i knew mm-hmm. in you know a day and a half two days i'd be walking into the grand canyon and so i was like really it really, really weighed on me, not just physically, but also mentally, because I've done the Grand Canyon before. And I know how engaged your quads need to be while doing the Grand Canyon. <laughs> right. And so I was super, super duper stressed out about it. I you know, reached out to a couple of friends who do body work, and physical therapy, got some pointers. And then I definitely had to have another one of those moments, you know, going back to, you know, being really useful, mindful about the energy that you spend on things that, you know, I, I pulled over on the, um, at a trailhead and had to like sit there and, and decide whether or not this was going to like end my trek at that point, because it, it, I was just so, I was working myself so much up about it. Uh, just so nervous that this was going to be something that was going to get worse. And I just laid a couple of, of, uh, you know, I call I always call them boundaries for myself, but I just told myself, okay, so if it starts, I'm you know, I'm a nurse, so I you know, I use the pain scale. If it starts hurting above, you know, a five out of zero to ten scale, then you know, I'm gonna pay more attention to it. If it gets above a seven, that's my like stopping point. I'm gonna, you know, do my you know, I'm gonna stop every two hours, massage it out. And after, you know, a day and a half of that, in fact, the morning that I woke up to enter into the Grand Canyon, I still had like 20 miles to go, um, before I even got to the Grand Canyon. So that morning I woke up and just, it was crazy. My, my quad pain kind of disappeared. It was weird. Mm. I don't know what it was, but it, it hurt bad enough that I thought it was going to be over. (laughs) Yeah, I'm was able to maintain with all the different exercises that I, that was recommended to me and with good old ibuprofen and even ibuprofen. Like I don't like taking ibuprofen. So I was trying not to take uh, too much, but whatever I did or whatever my body was doing, it resolved itself by the time I got to the Grand Canyon. And so that was, an amazing thing that happened. But unfortunately, what also happened because I I believe because of my quad pain and just overcompensating is my, my, my foot extensors on that same foot, then got like, so, so sore and injured at that point. But that was something that I was able to kind of walk through and continue to manage kind of with the same techniques that I was using for my quad. But luckily those all, like both of those didn't, didn't start happening till, you know, day 14. And so at that point, I only had, you know, three and a half more days left. And, and I knew once I pushed through the quad pain that I could definitely push through like the extensor pain. And it's amazing what, what the body can can push itself through. And, you know, I, at, at one point I definitely had had to ask the question you know, is this something that is worth being injured for? And obviously, I made the, made the decision that it was something that was worth worth it to be injured for, even if it meant me being out for, you know, I was definitely thinking of like the worst case scenario, like I wasn't going to be able to move for months. You know, this, from you know, <laughs> from doing anything after this. Uh, luckily, my body was able to heal pretty, pretty well retrospectively. But, but in the moment, it was definitely something that Uh, My anxiety was super high about, and fortunately my quad pain resolved itself enough to feel
0: comfortable going into the Grand Canyon safely. Bodies do mysterious things when you're pushing them. I've had things like that where pain out of nowhere, and then it just goes away. Yep.
1: Yep. I I definitely felt a little gaslit by my body. I'm not going (laughs) to (laughs) lie. Like, it was like, what quad pain? What are you talking about? This never hurt. I'm like, yes, it did. (laughs) (laughs)
0: It. <laughs> yeah I, I sometimes I feel like it's like, well, she's not listening to all these other symptoms, so we're just gonna you know do something really major, and she still didn't stop like, oh well, we give up, you yeah, know like...
1: exactly. <laughs> exactly
0: yeah, nothing actually wrong here. we're just you know gonna see if we can get her to quit, yeah, exactly <laughs>
1: it almost worked, but... yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> So I'm kind of curious, this whole thing, what was your biggest takeaway from it? Hmm.
1: I think my biggest takeaway from this is that bodies can do amazing things. And sometimes being able to push through really, really hard things isn't easy, obviously, because it's hard. But being able to do it by your own volition and choice is one of the most gratifying things I've ever experienced. I think one of my takeaways is remembering to be in the moment and when that doesn't work to lean on, lean on your, your support system is one of the most incredible things as well. I feel amped that, you know, within my own realm of existence, this is a huge thing to have accomplished. And I feel so, so proud of myself in in having accomplished it, having gotten a record set by you specifically, someone who I consider, you know, the queen of long trails, who has FKTs on, you know, the Pacific Crest Trail, the Appalachian Trail, like that is so incredible. And to have, you know, risen, risen to that level is just something that I still can't believe that I did. (laughs) And I'm so excited that that I, that I did it, I did it. And you know it'll be something that I kind of lean on for a really long time and rightly so. And I think another really big takeaway for me is how important it is to lean in, to uh, lean into being your own cheerleader and being your own hype person. Uh, I don't ever want to make this attempt something smaller than, than it is because it's a big thing. And I feel so happy that that I accomplished it, and I want to like support anyone who's going to do a big thing like this, um, because it's just one of the most beautiful feelings you will ever experience uh, if you if you uh, if you succeed, and it's and it's
0: worth it. Those are wonderful takeaways. Thank you so much for sharing those. I really appreciate you being on the show today and, and telling us about your experiences on the AZT. Um, it was really great chatting with you. Oh, thank you so much, Heather.
1: This is just an absolute pleasure to, to be talking to you and, and I really appreciate the opportunity.
0: Thanks Katie for coming on the show. You can check out her FKTs as well as her recap from the Arizona trail on the website, bestisknowntime.com thanks for tuning in until next time. This is Heather on the FKT podcast.